0: Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Diane and Paul as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed-up world. And I'll tell you, there's uh, really nothing more crazy than the world's view of freedom. And what is freedom? Because freedom is certainly something that's been enshrined in our American documents. It's something that's very near and dear to the heart of Christ, right? It was for freedom that Christ came to set us free. But, you know, freedom can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, uh, you know, especially in our American society with, you know, the elections coming up and, and a lot of people are very concerned about us losing our freedoms, we just got to discuss this topic of freedom because I think it's under, it's important for our listeners to understand, uh, you know, what Christ meant by freedom. And, and it's not necessarily the same thing that America means with their Declaration of Independence or whatnot, so let's hear from you guys. Paul, Diane, what is freedom in your, in your view? Like, what does a society say freedom is? What does Christ say freedom is? Is it the same thing? What are the nuances, the differences? What are your freedom thoughts?
1: Well, society would say that freedom is the ability to do whatever you want.
2: And be whoever you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right now, too. Right? Mm. Yep. So really just freedom from limitations. Yep. Okay. Which I think we'll probably get into this, which is actually the, probably the least freeing thing that you could have.
0: So, uh, however, now take a step back because, you know, I'm thinking with the mind of somebody who's a 21st century secular person, they would say, well, but no, I don't mean, they, they would say freedom, they would agree partially with that, but then they'd say, well, wait a second, but there are some limitations, right? You shouldn't hurt others, you shouldn't, you know, harm anybody. So it's not like there's no moral standards whatsoever in believing in freedom
2: yeah, but I guess the moral standards are kind of, you know, uh, dependent upon the person's stance. I mean, you see that now in sort of the debates on abortion and all of these things. Um, people have different ideas of what constitutes like the definition of of those those types of those topics,
0: sure. yeah. well, that's true that's true that you can't really even understand a debate freedom unless you have truth right yeah right. So if you don't understand that a fetus is a person, then having that debate is really kind of fruitless in some respects
1: right yeah and i think well when you say that you doesn't it doesn't hurt other people i mean in order for that to be true in the most strict sense and this is why it's a problem and why it's not true the, the idea that freedom is to do whatever you want so long as you don't hurt anyone is it gets to a point where you hurt people in different ways by by promoting one person's freedom, so-called freedom, it actually may reduce somebody else's freedom, like freedom of speech or sure. freedom of doing other things. Um, and I mean, we could see that we just talked about, we just talked about the pro-life debate. I mean, there are places there now and there's places in the world and including parts of the UK where you cannot stand outside of a of an abortion clinic because that's impeding supposedly on somebody else's freedom to get an abortion when you're actually impeding somebody's freedom of speech. Sure. Um, And so there's there's, there's no no logical end to that conundrum. Right.
2: Yeah. Someone inevitably gets the short end of the stick. And I think you're seeing that a lot now in terms of like the agendas that big companies are pushing, you know, social agendas and and that they've adopted um, that, you know, essentially, I think the experience of many people is that if you're a Christian, um, you know, if you're any other religion, you kind of have a free pass, so to speak, of, you know, um, everyone is so focused, hyper-focused on not offending the other um, that, you know, there's all of these so-called freedoms that are allowed in order for those people to be able to flourish or do whatever, you know, whatever they think is right. Um, But the consequence, I guess, is that Christians, um, you know, like in terms of proclaiming truth, that's seen often as offensive or, you know, discriminatory and that sort of thing. And so there's an inhibition on the freedom of Christians to proclaim the truth and the gospel.
0: Right. And I would say that there really is no sin that doesn't harm others. Right. Right. So even even sins that are private within one's own heart, they bring down the lower lowering of general morality, right? I mean the, the one that I often hear uh, especially working with young people is uh, people are like well, pornography doesn't hurt anybody, right? There's consenting adults who are mm-hmm. you know part of the pornographic industry and whatever, and they're like you know it's just just me and my personal choices, so that we should have the freedom to be able to do that. But of course, it hurts. Not only does it hurt you because it means you're going to start objectifying people more, but even in that own in, that industry itself, I mean, there's tons of people who are forced into it. Tons of people who are, you know, doing it out of shame. And, 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 of course, the addiction that that causes, neurologically, in the brain, if somebody looks at that, uh, means that you're a slave to it. You're not free.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, really, there's no, yeah, there's no, um, I don't think there's no freedom apart from virtue. So, what would be the Christian definition, then, of freedom? So, if we could say that the secular one is just to have no limits and do whatever you want, what, how would you say that Christ means freedom? Freedom to do what is good?
2: yeah. I agree with that and I mean the catechism says that freedom is the power rooted in reason and will basically to to do what is good to choose the good yeah. um and that uh, as long as freedom has not bound itself definitively to the ultimate good which is we know to be God um there's sort of the you know the possibility of doing good and evil and that like by doing good the freer essentially you become is the catholic standpoint
0: Sure sure Yeah and I think there's I think there's I always try to make the distinction between freedom from and freedom for it's the freedom from limitations, but the freedom is for excellence. Mm-hmm. And the good analogy I always like is, you know, if you have to sit down a five-year-old at a keyboard and a piano, they've, they have freedom, right? There's no, nothing stopping them from hitting any key they want. But do they really have the freedom to pay, play Beethoven's symphonies? Not really, right? Because they haven't submitted to the discipline of training themselves in being able to play well. And so like somebody that's willing to submit to the discipline means you're actually losing your freedom because, you know, for an hour a day, I'm going to practice this piano piece. But you also gain the freedom to be able to do something that's really, really good and really, really difficult.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, in drumming, when you learn how to play drums, like on a drum set, right, you have all four limbs going. And so there's this concept that you learn to develop over time, which is called independence, which is like another word for freedom, Mm. where your four limbs can move independently of one another and that's how you like get good that's so hard it's really hard i can't imagine and it takes a lot of discipline to like sit down at your drum set every single day and do these particular exercises which you can gain your independence but that's that's what we call it
0: that's when i when i look at organists i'm amazed at that too because they are using all four limbs their feet doing pedals and and i can do the keys but i can't do the foot pedals and that's just amazing to me.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it kind of um and just in terms of the virtues, you know, the virtue of prudence, right reason in action. The more that we sort of conform our, our minds to um uh, to to acting prudently, um and of course there's like the supernatural like the infused virtue, but there's also the habitual just of um of choosing choosing the good. Um the easier it becomes the more that you do it. So there is sort of a freedom that comes from that repetitive sort of choosing choosing the right thing
0: and that's such a paradox in the spiritual life right that by disciplining oneself and choosing the difficult ways we're actually choosing freedom
2: yeah i mean it's it's a death to self but i think even secular people would kind of i think understand that freedom in the sense of like secular society's definition of doing whatever you want there is that it's not even just wounding, like, the other members of the body of Christ, but it's the inner sort of turmoil that you feel from that, you know, the sense that there's this, um, that you're a slave, you know? Sure. I think people have that sensation, whether or not they admit it. Um, but yeah, if you are if you can't deny yourself anything, um, you're essentially at the, you know, um, beck and call of your passions and emotions, so to speak. And that's not a good feeling. I think, I think a lot of people do sense that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's not. And it's amazing how much in our consumerist culture, that idea of indulge every passion mm-hmm. is put forth. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you want it, you get it. Yeah. And you see that in ads, you know, you deserve this, you know, this or that. And really, it's just teaching people that you, you don't, you don't, you shouldn't have to discipline your, your desires in any way.
2: Right. And I, it, like, you know, it, it may feel good in the moment, but I, I do think that there is an overarching sense of the emptiness, you know, the feeling oh, that comes sure. after indulging in those things. And that's why people continue to to dig deep holes, because if you don't have God, if you don't have the good as your ultimate goal, you're going to constantly try to find that good, that happiness in other things that ultimately lead you to, you know, despair. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Without- I, Oh, good. No, you were saying that when you get everything, I have a funny story where- so I have to insulate my pipes for my heating system. And so they don't. Home Depot doesn't sell the size insulation that I need. So I needed to order on Amazon. And I was really upset that they said like, it was going to take 12 days for them to get 12 me. 12
0: whole days?
1: But what I found out Ow. is that, that that insulation was, as soon as I ordered it, was then shipped from a warehouse in the middle of nowhere in China to a, on, a, on, a, on a, like a train or something to a, a truck to a port and then went on a boat and then across the Atlantic, and then went on a train to Chicago, and then went on a truck to Connecticut, and that took twelve days. And I was <laughs> I upset imagine. about that, yeah. but it's actually a very short amount of time. Really, I mean, yeah, but it's true. It's, but I mean, I wanted it the next day because I was going to work on it, but I didn't. I couldn't. So it's like, I don't sure. know, there was a surrender there. That's the challenge, yeah. But it's like little moments like that where you realize how you can get—I don't know—addicted is the right word, but reliant on <laughs> some In, of the instant con- gratification. Instant gratification, yeah. yeah even if it's you know, foam pipe insulation. Sure, sure. And I'm sure you've all had that, that feeling of just like, uh,
0: after indulging in something. You know, I don't, like, I have a, a very good close priest friend who every year does a, um, a movie marathon with Lord of the Rings, extended editions. Mm, I know who that is. That's 12 hours of movies. <laughs> I've never sat down for 12 hours straight for anything. Yeah. And I've never I've never gone, and I love Lord of the Rings, and I would love to do it. I think it'd be kind of cool to see all 12 hours consecutively. But I just feel like I'm going to feel sick after that. Just like, ugh. Yeah. You know, and whether that's like too much chocolate cake or this is that, you know, you always just kind of feel like,
1: uh, like I regret that decision. Mm-hmm. I've had 11-hour flights, and so that you could get pretty close. Yeah. In terms of watching all movies. I guess you could. <laughs> but not feel, but because you're on a, fl- a long flight, it's not, you know, you can't really do much else. Like no, yeah. Read exactly. or whatever, you know, it's, you are locked in. Yeah. but That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I would say that, you know, I would say when I've, when I've had discussions with Protestants about this concept, um, especially in America, because America, we have a very specific idea of freedom and, and kind of as part of our founding principles. And I think a lot of the Protestant mindset has influenced that to some extent because of – that our, was our founding, was Protestants by right. and large. Sure. Um, and um, – but when we talk about, you know, how do you – when you when you talk to somebody who's more who doesn't have like a catechism to rely on or or some other maybe even church governing document that you might have in a Protestant church or Orthodox church whatever um, the idea that we have these things that are set up for us is actually quite freeing because you would say that well you have a freedom to read the scripture and to kind of chart your own path but that's a tremendous burden that you're taking on and so even with from a Catholic mindset um, it's so freeing to just know that we have like the catechism Diane just mm-hmm. read from to to really rely on that we don't have to make these decisions and then we can focus on kind of more important things. You know, we don't, we can, we can, we don't have to figure that out ourselves. Um, it's, it's, it's humbling. And that's why, I mean, people
0: look at my life and say, well, you know, you've restricted yourself, right. By becoming a priest. I mean, that means you've taken a vow of obedience, but that's also really freeing that I don't have to worry about my job security because I've got someone to worry about it for me.
1: Right. That's the bishop, right? (laughs) His,
0: his job is to make sure that I'm always employed and to make sure that I have enough food and a roof over my head. And, and that's really refreshing that, you know, th- there's just this freedom that comes from giving away your life to someone greater than yourself, to mm-hmm. a cause greater than
1: yourself. Yeah. And he, you will likely, re- so long as you're able, you will likely remain employed. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. Yeah. And even, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right
0: now the job prospects for priests are pretty good, you know? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good job security. <laughs> good job security. Right. So <laughs> you'll know, become sick or some in some way, but... uh but, you know, you, you brought up the American freedoms. Mm. And certainly in our Bill of Rights, you know, we enumerate, enumerate those four freedoms at the beginning, right? Freedom of press, freedom of worship, freedom of assembly, and freedom of speech? Speech. Yeah, freedom of speech. Yeah, okay. So those are kind of interesting, though, because there's got to be a limit to those as well, right? Like recently, a couple, this past week, actually, on Facebook in Monroe, Connecticut, where I'm you know, a pastor in St. Jude's, somebody posted on the Monroe website, um, hey, did you guys see this Satanist club that's taking place at this public school in Lebanon, uh, Connecticut? And they said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if we brought it here to Monroe? And yeah, yeah and, and the
1: reaction, I was just reading- I just had a shocked face for those listening at
0: home. Yeah, it's hard to see that through the radio, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I was reading the comments under it and the, the comments were of two varieties. One is like, Lord help us, this is terrible. And the other is like, well, if we really believe in freedom of religion, we have to allow this. And I'm kind of like, hmm, you know, but where does where does the limit lie for whether freedom of speech or freedom of religion, right? I mean, is, is hate speech come under freedom of speech? I mean... Yes. You say yes, but I mean... In the, in the United States, it does,
1: generally. Generally, but not always, right? You can get prosecuted for certain things in hate speech. Can you not? not? Not really, no. It's been tried, and it's not... Um, it hasn't generally held up. Okay. We have... I mean, it's a good thing because I think speech is one of those things. I think you you have to allow free speech in a in a civil society because it allows people to be wrong and be wrong publicly, and then you can kind of work things out. Um, it's actually it's a very Christian ideal because the idea that that you could proclaim the gospel is rooted in the fact that you can proclaim the gospel, and so, right, you, so need, free you need you need you need very much for good. You need free speech to be able to to do that, and you also need people to be able to challenge that so that you can become stronger in your faith. That's true. Yeah, we wouldn't want to shut down, because if you shut down the bad stuff, there's a chance that the good stuff will be shut down too. Yeah, or the good stuff becomes corrupted because we're fallen and sinful and wretched. Yeah, true. And so we need that. You, you need that in society. And so, and also the freedom of speech is the freedom to, to allow one to think. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is, is vital for society. So I think speech is a, for me at least, the way I think about, you know, I think it's listed first in the Bill of Rights, although I'm not sure about that. Freedom of speech is the fundamental freedom by yeah. which all other freedoms in the United States are based on.
0: But you can see it, it amazes me you know, how, how that, that does become a tension this, you know, this past summer. Um, I, I guess I just noticed it for the first time that they f- flew a pride flag in Monroe. In, in the civil, like out in front of the uh, town hall. Mm. And actually I sent an email to the first selectman and just said, you know, hey, you know, this is a controversial topic and it's, it's unfortunate that you have to take a stand as a city on this, which many of your residents don't necessarily believe in. So there's that. But also I recognize that every December we put up a crash scene in front of town hall. Mm. So I'm thinking like either both are allowed or both are not allowed. Like you, you, you really can't like, can you prioritize one or the other? I mean, in a pluralistic society like this,
1: I mean, it's 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 challenging. Yeah, I mean that's that's is. that. There's, I think, Actually, I heard I a little bit
0: like a hypocrite saying, yeah. to the first selectmen," because I'm like, "There's Jewish Jewish people and Muslims in our town who probably don't want this crash scene out in front."
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we there was. I, I was just on a, a retreat with Dominicans, and they said we have to, as as Christians, we have to bear the burden of freedom. Hmm. Which I thought was a, such a great way of putting it. We have to bear the burden of freedom where we are fallen, and so people are going to make poor decisions and we have to bear that burden. Yeah. Right. Because we do have free will and we can choose bad. Yeah. And we, we have can. to, we, as a, Often as a, have. as a, as humanity, we have to bear that. We have to, we have to, sh- we have to carry that burden.
0: Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is, of- it's hard. It's hard. And I, I see, especially see it in parents who, you know, want the best for their kids. And they watch their kids either reject the faith or, you know, Kind of go off the deep end and whether it's drugs, alcohol, you know, whatever, like your kind of your typical bad stuff, and it's it's really hard for the parents because they want to step in and you know, when the kids are 18, 19, nineteen, you're kind of like, well, how can I force them? Mm. You, know, you can't force them, right? It has to be freedom. So yeah. that kind of that kind of brings us. Go ahead.
2: I, I mean, I think I'm just thinking of sort of the um, it's it's a somewhat related topic in terms of the question of how does God move us through grace but we're still free. I was just
0: going to bring that up. Yeah, grace and freedom. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, it's interesting. I guess, you know, Calvinists, I believe that they teach that men um they're like essentially powerless to yeah. resist God's grace totally such predestined. that there's no, mm-hmm. you know, free will. Um I think the Catholic and biblical position uh is it's made clear through Scripture. I mean, there's a few lines, obviously, but um, like that we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, yeah, so there Paul says is, that, yeah. yeah that I means. mean, it's essentially implied, just like you were saying, Paul, that we have the um, like God gives us um, God gives us free will, right? So we can choose the good or we can choose evil. Um,
0: but but yet he gives grace, but he doesn't give grace equally to everyone, right? You know we we do believe as Catholics that everyone receives enough grace to be saved
2: mm-hmm. yeah, but he he gives us grace, and it's interesting that he can, as the creator and and we are sort of like the agents that he he gives us this grace, he can actually move us to choose the good, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's it's a kind, kind of a like, mind blowing well, concept. Second, where's
0: our freedom come in? Yeah. Right, it's exactly. Like, puppets at that point.
2: Exactly. Um, so it's it's kind of it's hard to wrap your brain around, right? Of how he can. But again, God is so far above our, <laughs> you yeah, know, <laughs> that's true. Our thoughts that it's. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that we'd ever fully comprehend this on on this earth, but. The fact that he he can move us to choose the good because we are ultimately made for him, right? And he wants nothing more than our salvation.
1: We're we're attracted to the good, and so and that that we could say that's a grace or or, or not, but like we are attracted to the good.
2: Well, because we're made for the good, and we're made, and for, we're it.
1: made yeah. for it. However, there are things that are that are that are bad that are wrapped in things that look good.
0: Well, really, it's any sin is just choosing a lesser good over a higher good. You never
1: choose something that's bad in itself, right? Yep. Right. Well, I mean the only thing that, well, no, but I think that I think I think sins of of envy are really hard. Okay. Because there's yeah. generally you are generally there's a there's a deep sorrow there. And yet, you still go through with it. It's a it's a double sorrow almost. And it's, yeah, this is it's, it's a tricky sin.
0: I guess I shouldn't say that. I think I think like sins of weak, sins of the flesh. You know, whether it's you know drinking or sex. Like that's that's always choosing a good just at the wrong time or in the wrong location.
2: Yeah, but generally, it's yeah. a but misconception think, of what ultimately is going to bring us happiness because you're choosing those lower goods over higher goods because right. you see a good in them it's just misplaced
0: sure even like pride you know you're recognizing your dignity you're just trying to exalt that above god or above another right so yeah that's kind of interesting so to go back to your point Did, mm-hmm. does it is it actually from the catechism that says that god can move our will
2: uh, i have to check on so, that I,
0: I don't know if it's not from the I, if it's from the catechism i will you know give my religious assent to it but <laughs> but if it's not from the catechism not sure that i like that language because the will is the one place that we have total control over. We can't control our emotions. We can't control our bodies all the time. You know, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. We can't control our thoughts sometimes. We have clouded thoughts, errors in judgment. But the will is the one place that we have total control over. And so if, if, if God can control our will, then we are puppets. And I think that's a dangerous way to go, but... But I do think, I mean, certainly he influences our will, not controls, but influences strongly.
2: Yeah, I don't think the implication is that he controls it.
0: Yeah. I just, I was reading um, this past week, have you, you ever heard or read this letter from hell? Fascinating little letter. Apparently it's a true story about uh, in the 1930s and 40s, I guess, there was these two friends in Germany, two young ladies who were friends. One of them became a nun and the other one was very secular. And so while they were working together outside in the world, um, the very religious one tried to con- Constantly convert the other mm-hmm. one, who was you know baptized a Catholic and up, raised up, but she didn't want anything to do with it. She wants the the clothes and the parties and the cars and the boys and all that kind of stuff. And um, so finally, she goes. Into the good one goes into the convent, and the other one stays in the world. And a couple of years later, they lose touch. And a couple of years later, the mom writes to the 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 uh, woman who's in the convent and says, "Did you hear that so and so died?" She's like, "Oh no, no, I didn't hear that. So I'm going to bring that to to prayer." And that so and so was that you know the other girl. And so she brings it to prayer, but she kind of gets this unsettled feeling of like, just don't feel at peace about praying for, for, her name was Annie. I didn't get peace about praying for Annie. So that night she went to bed, and while she was sleeping, she had such a vivid dream that she had received a letter from Annie from hell. And apparently when she woke up, she could remember every last letter and word in that letter. And so she wrote it out, and she presented it to the bishop, and the bishop gave, it, gave her the imprimatur oh, wow. that she could print it. So it's, you know... It's, again, a private revelation. You don't have to take it. But it's kind of an interesting thing. And one of the things it talks about how Annie, on the last day of her life, you know, she hadn't been to Mass in, like, years. But on the last day of her life, she woke up with the thought, you know, you should go to Mass again today. And then she said she, said she made a definitive choice, no, that's a ridiculous thought. I'm not going couple hours later she gets in a car crash and dies. And she said that was like God's last chance grace right there. Mm. Like God finally I'm trying to reach her soul one last time. And she freely, consciously, knowingly said, No, I'm not I'm not interested mm. in that grace. And it's it's interesting that, you know, it was a couple hours before she died. Like, God has given, like, one last chance. Come on, come on, come on.
2: Yeah, he's constantly giving us actual graces, even if we're not in a state of sanctifying grace. Right. Um, Right. So I think what the Catechism says, just to go back to the other point, and which relates to this, is that um, he says, grace is—sorry, he. The Catechism says, (laughs) grace is the help that God gives us to respond to our vocation of becoming his adopted sons. The divine initiative in the work of grace precedes, prepares, and elicits the free response of man. So it precedes, okay. prepares, and elicits. All right. Yes.
0: That sounds good. That yes. doesn't sound like forced. You know, it's, it's like everything it's, else it's around force. It's you know? not.
2: And, and Aquinas was not saying that it's forced either. It's yeah. just that God can move us uh, to choose the good, but the response is still in freedom.
0: Yeah. But now, you know, I've also talked to some Catholic theologians. Usually, not very reputable ones who say that because of our passions, you know, our strong emotions and our upbringing and this and that, that really we we haven't made a fully, freely conscious choice ever in our life. I and mean, I think Aquinas talks about passions, right? And how that passions and reason mm-hmm. kind of deal with that. I mean, I mean, what's your thoughts? Like, some would say, well, you're just simply choosing out of your upbringing or choosing out of your hormones or choosing out of, you know, whatever is kind of going on in your life that is not really fully a conscious fully aware cho- choice like the angels had, right? They could choose bits of a vision or not. We don't get to choose that
1: way, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Right. Well, I think, well, I think part of that is that we are choosing within the, we always have to remember we are human. We do have a, we do have a body that we have to deal with and th- th- this body had to be cared for for many years and therefore it's shaped in a certain way. And so if you are raised in the Catholic church, you know, praise God, you've been, you've been given that, that's. That's a and you if you stick with it, then you've been given that grace and that really blessing to be able to live in that. You still have to choose it. I mean, there's plenty of outs. It's, <laughs> there's, it's not you know there's there's enough fallen away Catholics to show that just being brought up Catholic isn't like a isn't is not a, a guarantee. Yeah, it's yeah. not a guarantee, but it's a good starting point. And I think as par- parents have that obligation to set that up as best as I can.
2: Yeah, and because we're fallen and we suffer from concupiscence, which is you know sort of the effects of original sin, um, that, that doesn't go away. I mean, I'm just thinking of Augustine's Confessions, you know, and it's the whole Confessions is sort of about his ongoing struggle. It's not like he all of a sudden had this revelation, he made it, I'm good to go, the past is mm. in the past, I no longer struggle with chastity and stuff. Like a lot of the books end up talking about post conversion when he knows the truth, um, and even after he's he's accepted it and tried to live it, of how he feels so weighed down by his body, by his passions. Yeah. And but you know, like he doesn't, it's not like, oh, okay, like let's just give up because our bodies are constantly weighing us down our passions. It's I mean that's an ongoing struggle. That's just the result of being human and living. Right. But that God still works through that, right? Um but I guess, to Paul's point, you still have to make decisions and choices. It makes it more difficult, you know the bodily passions and and all that, but God is consistently giving us grace sufficient to overcome you know whatever sort of attachments that we have, which are unique to each person, yeah, I mean, we all struggle with different things.
0: And and I hope, I mean, God is certainly, you know, all just and all merciful. So God will take into consideration the difficulty of the choice that we're making, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's not a choice every day. I don't wake up and be like, should I smoke crack today, yeah. right? Never <laughs> yeah. never crossed my mind. Mm. Yeah. But for some people, that's a real choice that they've got to struggle with and really wrestle with. So, I mean, the fact that I've not smoked crack is a grace from God, yeah. protection from that. but Right,
2: right. And I mean, just think of like Christ you know, his his words on the cross in terms of, like, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Um, like I I don't think that we, as human beings, truly understand the implications of our sins, right? Like, we may understand that this is wrong, but we don't understand the full implication. Whereas, you know, like, in contrast to an angel who understands with all clarity
0: yeah. mm-hmm. of
2: mind the consequences. So we are still, uh, even if we're choosing sin, we don't understand sort of the uh, – the, all of the sort of repercussions of choosing that sin, you know? Yeah. Like you may understand the effect on yourself, but even – we're mysteries under ourselves. We don't really understand that. Um, but then also sort of the, 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 down, the downplay in terms of like, you know, the effect on the community and other people and all that stuff and how that f- filters into sort of the big picture.
0: I mean, the, the image that's coming to mind is like, you know, if you go for, go for a jog on a very foggy day where you can only see like three feet in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, you may, you may make a choice to turn down this trail not realizing it leads to a cliff. Yeah. You know, and you'll only discover, oh, holy cow, you know, I got to turn around. Yep. If we had a whole map in front of us, it'd be much easier to choose the right path all the time.
2: Right. And that's why like the angels had that full Clarity, that full knowledge—they knew exactly right. they knew what where, they were doing. They we knew where, they where the knew path all leads. All of the consequences. We don't.
0: We know the next three steps, exactly. and, and that's about all we can mm-hmm. know, really, with mm-hmm. certainty.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, the, so the, we have hope that God has mercy on our fallen human condition.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think you know. I mean, we, we t- Aquinas talks a lot about the relationship between law mm-hmm. and freedom, and I think that's what the law does. Law, when we come to that choice of which trail should I take, I can't really see more than three steps oh, but the law tells me that this way mm-hmm. is the right... You know, the Ten Commandments tell me that this is the right way. Mm-hmm. And the teachings of the church tell me that this is the right way. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit more clarity, at least.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think that's what Paul was saying, too, before about the, sort of the catechism. As in, you know, in contrast to our Protestant brothers and sisters, it's a big burden to have to try to figure things out on your own. And that's yeah. why Christ left us a church, so that we don't have to do that, because yeah. we are fallen.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't even limit it. Maybe I was too too strict about Protestants, right? It but also, it's just yeah. in general, society yeah. in general. Yeah. People have to say, well, I haven't figured out my life yet. I don't know what to do in my life. Yeah. But for the whole life, it's like, well, you, you know, something. Like, the, you, you know, you probably should go to work tomorrow. Like, there's something <laughs> that is true. Like, you, yeah. you, you have to do something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have
2: to take the next best step, right? right? You just constantly be praying and asking God for guidance and direction.
1: Right. And that's yeah. why law is not
0: an impingement on freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, God's law does not constrain us, but rather gives us the way to true freedom. Because if you ever, you ever read those choose your own adventure books as a kid? No. No? Oh my gosh. You I those. read John Grisham. You were weird. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I no. may have. I don't know.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because it would be like, you know, you're, I don't know, searching for a buried treasure and you come to this cliff. Do you jump off the cliff or do you turn around, you know, and you. Mm. if you jump off the cliff, turn to page 15. If you jump, you know, did someone else turn to uh, page 26? Yeah. No, I never... And, no, you never did. You wish you'd go back and read it. It was really fascinating. But uh, But I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> choosing I your own know. path? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, choosing your own path. Like something about the law. Yeah, I mean, the law is not... Uh, if you're in the choose-your-own-adventure book, you know, and you knew that... Basically if you choose all the right adventures, you get to go to the end of the book. Mm-hmm. If you choose one of the wrong adventures, you end up dying on page 15. Yeah. Right? So so if you want to live in the truest freedom and have the ability to run as far as you can and experience the story as long as you can, you choose the right path. And that's what leads to the ultimate freedom, not choosing one of your paths of like, I'm curious what would happen if I jumped off the cliff. Well, mm-hmm. That's going to end real quick, right? And you don't have freedom after you're in
1: a body cast, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, we I don't think... need actually, you know, we don't need Newtonian laws to like figure out what's going to happen if you jump off the cliff, you right? Know, and figure yeah, that out yourself, reason, you know? right? And same, yeah. same with it's reason, these Ten yeah. Commandments in the, Common of the Church, like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And and the the more that we choose the good and you know act in accordance with freedom in terms of that definition, um, the, the more human we become, right? So yes. the Virgin Mary is the perfect example of that. I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, her in terms of, um, they say, oh, well, I can, I can never, I can never live like that. Um, but you know, she ultimately, or they can't really relate to her cause they don't feel that she's human in a sense, yeah, like that he's, yeah. she's just divine, but, Oh,
0: well, she's, she's, she's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and,
2: and she, um, you know, no, that's that's like the image of what perfect freedom looks like. Yeah. And, and what ultimately, like, we're called to, um, you know, like, we're striving for.
0: Yeah. I mean, at that critical moment of freedom, I mean, it was ultimately the angel Gabriel who presented her with the fundamental choice. Will you accept this great gift and challenge from God to be the mother of the Savior? Mm-hmm. And she could answer with that perfect freedom because she had no other attachments to her own desires, her own wills, her own plans. She was like, yeah, let it be done to me, Mm -hmm. fiat. Mm I mean, we all say that to the Lord. So thanks for joining us in this episode of Restless. I hope that you've uh, gained some freedom, some interior freedom, which comes through prayer and through, through discipline, through obeying the commandments of the Lord. And that is what leads to freedom, not the freedom from limitation, but the freedom for excellence, for holiness. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, uh, 1350 AM or 103.9 FM, and tune in wherever you get your podcasts. God bless, and see you next time. Hey, everybody. This is producer Matt. If you liked this week's episode of Restless and want to help the show grow, please rate us, review us, and subscribe on your preferred platform. God bless.